Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shield Kapadia joined by Ben Solak, ace producer Cliff Augustine. And as I was just telling Ben before we started, this is the official kickoff of Eagles draft season on the Ringers Philly special. Solak has been doing actual draft season for like six months, round the clock, year round. I don't know, but we've been getting questions, honestly, since October, November, when we did the Thursday 10 with draft questions for Ben. And since I picked the questions, I'm like, no, this team is a Super Bowl team. We're not talking about the draft right now. But you know what? It's what, March 29th? It's finally time to talk about the draft, Benjamin. When before the show we were talking uh, ultimate scams, Cliff was talking about the uh, I don't know if I want to blow up his spot, but the PBA, the, the parking authority for Brooklyn. If you talk about the opposite, well, if he was uh, talking direction. about Philly, I think, yeah, oh Philly, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, the ultimate scam in the NFL world is the draft. Every year, your team's <laughs> going to get only good players. Every year, they're going to solve the problems, and all the rookies are going to be good. And that's why people ask draft questions in November for a team that's got like one loss. It's because it's the ultimate. Blue, it's the opening of a white whale, right? It's the ultimate hope pie in the sky. And that's what it makes the draft so much fun to cover. I always tweet out a thing like, uh, I don't know if it's right before the draft or right after the draft, looking at the previous year's class and how many players actually played like 50% of the snaps. And I don't know, I'll do it again. The number is way lower than you would think. So when we yeah. criticize all these teams in uh, May, June, July, August, and then you know fan bases will be like, no, we drafted this guy. Yeah, but that guy is probably not going to play. And if he does play, he's probably not going to yeah. be that good because it's really hard to be a rookie. Uh, Every year, just, just look at the third round the third round of the draft from like three years ago and you'll recognize like three names that you'll actually actively (laughs) remember them and then that's just a reminder like okay once we get to day two we'll all still be tweeting obviously but we're kind of just making stuff up now at this point but the good news for your nfc champion philadelphia eagles 
is that they got the number 10 pick in the draft and they don't need to take a quarterback. So this is a great spot to be in. This is how we're going to start uh, this week. We're going to talk about the number 10 pick today. I I am very late in my draft prep, although probably earlier than most seasons, if I'm being honest. So uh, I went through like the top 20 prospects or so, and I picked 11 guys who I thought could be options for the Eagles with the number 10 pick. I'm going to give some thoughts on them, some background, because I don't expect all of you to be draft Knicks and know about all these guys. And then Ben is going to give us his thoughts uh, on those guys. Before we start that, Ben, do you think that four quarterbacks will be taken by the time the Eagles draft uh, come up on the clock at number 10? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great spot to be in then. I mean, mm-hmm. if four quarterbacks, you're getting one of the six best non-quarterbacks in this class. So it is a, uh, and I think I agree with you. Uh, I, I'm not like 100% confident, but I think I agree yeah. with you. There's I'm not 100% either, teams. but yeah. I'm like 85. Yeah, I think that's right. There's enough needy teams. Uh, there are four prospects that'll be viewed. I feel like very, very confident that three will be gone. It's a matter of that fourth one. So Let's get to it. This is going to be fun. I'm and, and then, you know, in future weeks, maybe next week we'll do the number 30 pick. Maybe the week after that, we'll look at day two. We'll obviously do our draft predictions, our Eagles-only mock drafts before the draft. So we've got about a month to fit all of this in. I feel good about starting now. So let's get to it. I put these in order, Ben. Just, you know, I, I have a little spreadsheet I like to use, aggregate some draft nicks that I... You don't have, like, a top 100 anywhere, right? You, you, you don't do it. Nah, no, not anymore, one, baby. Okay. I watch players until I feel like I've seen all the good ones, and then I <laughs> okay. stop, and it's a great <laughs> feeling. I tell you, I hit that point last week where I was like, I haven't watched a good player in the last, like, seven dudes. <laughs> I'm out! And then, like, somebody will tell me, like, oh, I really like Evan Hull. I'm like, oh, shoot, I haven't seen Evan Hull, and then I'll then go watch, watch Evan Hull. Exactly, okay. but yeah, no, I... I I get through the the players who are like, all right, these are for sure like top guys. These are the guys who are good, and then I'm done. Which this year, man, I got done a lot faster than I usually do. Yeah, and that's not because I was working hard. All right, it's not because I was grinding. It's because this class <laughs> is just not necessarily super great. I sort of felt that way going through these options, yeah. even at ten. I'm like, you know, kind of like this guy, kind of. But there's no one that stands out where I'm like, this would be uh, an absolute home run. So these are an order of kind of how they're ranked by draft people that I respect. It doesn't mean that's gonna how they're gonna go off the board. You can tell me with some of these guys. No, I think they're gonna have to trade up for this guy. I think they'll be available at ten. I think maybe if they trade down, this guy would be an option or whatever. But let's get started with really one of the most talked about prospects. In this class, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle from Georgia, really seemed like a consensus top five prospect, six foot three, three fourteen. But then we had the off-field concerns. Okay, he faced misdemeanor charges for reckless driving in an incident where two people died. He showed up at his pro day nine pounds heavier than the combine. I think Dan Campbell was asked about him at the owners meetings and gave a sort of a strange answer, whether it was posturing or not about, yeah, we've talked to some of his teammates and what they said was very interesting. As we sit here and more information will come out and we'll learn more about all of this. Where do you kind of stand with Jalen Carter? Are you like, oh man, if he fell to 10, because of some of this stuff, that would be amazing for the Eagles. Are you in the in the camp of I would even trade up a couple spots to get yeah. him if he falls a little bit, or are you in the uh, I'm kind of spooked by all this stuff and I might not want anything to do with uh, with Jalen Carter? Yeah. So in the fall, Todd McShay of ESPN basically I can't remember if it was an article or if he said it on a sideline hit or he tweeted it, but basically just had some way where he communicated. It might have been on his pod. 
there are concerns with Jalen Carter, the teammate. There are concerns with Jalen Carter, the dude in the football locker room. And there was a lot of public frustration with that because it was kind of like, all right, if you have character concerns, you should say them. Because some of the NFL's character concerns are totally made up, right? Like, oh, Justin Herbert went back to school to finish his medical degree. Does he love football enough? What are you talking about? Shut up. Like, no, that's not a real character concern. Other character concerns are like, this guy was cited three times for reckless driving by Athens community police and by campus police and then was involved in in a horrible accident that ended up with the death of multiple people. And that's like, yeah, okay, we are we're in the world of real character concerns. Yeah. So at that time, it was clear, right, there's something we don't know about Jalen Carter from the outside, and that makes it tough to figure out who's going to like him and who doesn't. And then we got the news in March that he was uh, he was there, he was present, he was going to be cited for reckless driving, he was, you know, he posted bail, he was arrested, cited, I don't know what all the correct verbs are, but he went through the process, he posted bail, and he came back to the combine. At that time, the NFL was kind of like, ah, oh no. And then he showed up nine pounds heavier to his pro day, and the NFL was like, whoa, 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 what's the issue here? Which goes to tell you kind of how the NFL thinks yeah, about these things. True. But then you get this comment from Campbell, which I think is a really important comment, where like, I don't think, Dan realized what he was saying until he was halfway through saying it. And he was like, oh, shoot, I probably shouldn't be saying this this way. Um, I think we we know all we know now about the incident that happened in January of, of, of uh, 2023 and, and, and Carter's involvement in it. And I still think there's stuff we don't know about Jalen Carter, just like the dude, right? Could be stuff that's worse. Could be stuff that, that's not as bad. But there's stuff that the NFL's got that we don't. So he's a very difficult player to figure out, okay, like the Lions were all about football character. Are they going to be totally out on him? I can't guarantee that, but I it kind of seems that way to me. The Cardinals with like Monty Austin for as the GM who came from the Titans, who were they were just drafting every single player with as many concerns as they possibly could. And John Gannon, a totally new head coach. I've got no idea. You know what I'm saying? So he's tough to land on. If he makes it to the 10 and the Eagles are there picking, I'd wager it's really tough for them not to take him because you are, it's one of your biggest positions of needs over tackle right not like the nose tackle but the actual like defensive tackle rush spot and you know he works well with the other guy you got you're positive that you can play him next to each other you watched it happen at the university of georgia in 2021 during a national championship winning season where you put him next to jordan davis and you and you you feel confident that that duo is going to work he's uh, a top two talent in this class and so if he makes it to 10 i don't know i i again like i don't i don't want to speak in certainties here because there's so much we don't understand about his situation right. but I I would imagine, you know, you'd have to kind of pry that card out of Howie's fingers. Uh, that's a tough pass in terms of the football on-field play value when you start thinking about how the Eagles want to build their team. Yeah, it's tough because I thought you were going to go in a different direction when you said if he makes it to 10, because you can make the argument that if he makes it to 10, the league probably knows stuff, you know, you know stuff about right. him, but the league is telling us something too about him if he makes it. That's that a very court. good point. At the same time, you, this is why you have Adam DeSandro, your head of security, and you're doing all, and you have Scout, and you're doing all the work is to find out information. And there is sort of a, a you know a risk reward calculus where there are different degrees to character concerns. You know, if, if, if talent gets to a certain point, and you feel like you have the coaching staff, the locker room, you know, to uh, kind of groom a guy and, and make him go in the right direction, there's monster upside, then that's a risk maybe you're willing to take. Now, a theme I'll come back to over and over again as we do this is, I don't expect the Eagles to be drafting in the top 10 
for a while. And so this is like really a player you're looking to be a cornerstone of your team for years to come, uh, ideally at a premium position. So that, that, you know, he's just a player to keep an eye on, I think, from now until the draft to see what more do we learn, what are NFL people actually saying about him, what's concerning, what's mm-hmm. not concerning. Just real quick on the player. I mean, is this like a Chris Jones-ish type player? Like, what, do you have a, a comp? Like, how do you, yeah. what are his, his strengths that make him so exciting? He looks like prime and Dominican Sue. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he looks like nine sacks from the interior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just, okay. there are, there are games in which he's going up against future NFLers. Like I remember the 2021 game against Kentucky. He was against Luke Fortner, who's the first pick of the third round center for the Jags, started as a rookie. And he just made Fortner look like he couldn't play ball. Like he's made this guy look like he just simply cannot go to the next level. And Fortner was like a top 70 pick and like was fine as a rookie. Um, he's got just true uproot power. He just pick up a guy and move him. And like you don't you don't teach it. It's not a technique thing. It's not a lever thing. He just moves guys away. The dudes don't move dudes. Uh, he's, he's he's a true like wrecker on the interior, which pairs really really nicely with the Jordan Davis, who just is going to eat up attention. He's going to eat up room and going to give uh, Carter isolation. Like he just he's again like like he looks like Sue used to look back in the day. Uh, on on without any positional value, he's the best player in the class to me. He's better than Will Anderson. He's better than Bijan. Wow. He's better than everybody in terms of on the field play. Okay, we just got a lot to figure out between yeah. the player we watched play at Georgia and and what he's going to look like in the NFL. In terms of position of need and what we know about the Eagles drafting, I mean, that all lines up. I mean, I think ideally they would love to come out of that pick with an elite level defensive tackle if they could. Yeah. Fletcher Cox is back for a year. You got Jordan Davis, but uh, yeah, you still And need it is more not a deep defensive tackle class. So it's not even like, a, oh, let's pass on Carter because when we get back on the board at 60, you know, we feel great about X, Y, and Z. I don't know who X, Y, and Z are, man. There's like four dudes in yeah. this class. Okay. All right. That's a, it's a fun one to start. All right. The next one's fun too. I know I've seen you tweet about this guy. This is like, you know, WIP sports talk, radio fodder, baby. Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas. This is a guy I actually have watched uh, on film and I absolutely get the hype. I mean, he just looks to me and I, I want to hear your thoughts, but I'm just like, this is the prototype. This is like, if you just had a video game and we're like, give me uh, a great running back who can pretty much do everything. This would be the guy. 5'11", mm-hmm. 215, ran 4'4", four, four, uh, forced 104 missed tackles last year according to pff the highest number in their database since they started charting this his balance was what really stood out to me i mean his balance is amazing he's a home run hitter he's big he's strong he can drag people at the same time we'll get into it it here the the whole running back debate at number 10 are you really going to take a running back uh with the 10th overall pick so first give me just your kind of thoughts on the player and then whether that would be something that you know let's say they they surprise everybody i would say and draft Bijan robinson at number 10 what your reaction would be i'd be stunned if they took robinson at 10 yeah great player love him would would like the pick honestly i'd be like yeah why not dude the offense is gonna be insane who cares it would be uh, fun. It definitely yeah. would it'd probably be the most fun pick out of all of them. At the same time, if we're talking about the smartest pick long-term, it would not be that. Yeah. Um, will I continue to tell Eagles fans that it's going to happen? Yes, because that's been great content for me. <laughs> right? And, and I shouldn't say Eagles fans. Just like that subset of football Twitter that like looks at a couple charts and is like, all right, so you should just never draft a running back ever. Uh, me telling them how I rose is going to take... Bijan Robinson is my favorite thing. I'm having such a good time. Regardless, it's not going to happen. Um, 
Bijan's an excellent, excellent running back prospect. But people say that he's the best since Barkley. I think he's better than Barkley. But the thing Ooh, is, is that like, yeah. Well, but the thing is this: better prospect, like better at prospect. The time of yeah, the yeah. draft. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's a better true runner. Like Barkley was screwing around behind the Penn State line. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Bijan, like you see, it makes sense. But the reality is that like, uh, uh, Barkley, Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs. Like all of these dudes came out to some degree of like great running back prospect, elite running back prospect, right? And then they walked into the NFL and just started, started ripping off a thousand yard seasons in their first year. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't need to be better than the Barkley tier to walk out and be a really productive running back. So while I think Bijan is a better prospect than Barkley, these would be immediate three down useful, these would be great in pass protection, is a law of diminishing returns, right? Him being a like tier one A running back prospect. Okay, you don't need to go get that guy. You can go get a, a tier two B running back prospect fifty picks later, right? Doing the second round, and you can make that guy a, a first round or a thousand yard rusher in his first season if you have the infrastructure for it. And buddy, do the Eagles have the infrastructure for it? They got Jalen Hurts in the best offensive line in the league, and Jay, Jeff Stoutland and Dallas Goddard, and they're insane. Uh, and yeah. so it just it does not line up with how they build their team. It would be sick to see if Bijan Robinson goes to the Eagles at ten at thirty one. I don't know what pick. If, Per, first overall pick in fantasy drafts. I mean, like it'd be it's gonna be world ending production, but that's just not the direction that I anticipate them going. I agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching Bijan Robinson play in the NFL. I think he's been really yeah. really fun. I'm with you. Like, yeah, I think the running back conversation has probably gone too far. At the same time, the basic premise is relevant, and that's that you have the number ten overall pick. You have premium positions. You have a position stack. You have a philosophy. You were first in rushing DVOA. Last year with Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, and Boston Scott. And, and, and so you would be paying this running back over $5 million per year, which is, you know, like a, like a just below what Miles Sanders got on the open market. So it's not like you're getting great value out of it. So uh, I think there's no way I would be shocked. I would be stunned if they, you know, took uh, Bijan Robinson, even though you you see that um, in some mock drafts here. So uh, fun player, maybe we can talk, you know, we'll talk about next week, the 30th pick. And maybe if you, you if, if he was still there, or if you move up a little bit from there, whatever, uh, I think it's highly unlikely that the Eagles priorities match up with where Robinson uh, goes off the board, but I, I understand why people would be yeah. excited about him. I All tell right. you, watch watch a little Kendra Miller out of TCU. Watch a little Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna need your thoughts on all. Yeah, we're gonna have to get because I do think there. I do you know you look at the Rashad Penny contract. Yeah, six hundred k guaranteed. And I was thinking like they have well, honestly. Tell me if you think this hyperbole. I think they have one of the worst running back rooms. In the NFL 100%. right now. Yeah. 100%. They, <laughs> I mean, listen, and, and we both they like love Rashad Kenny. Penny, but they you love can't him. count on him. But yeah. Kenny Gainwell's mama doesn't love Kenny Gainwell this much. You <laughs> have to add somebody to the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's I think there's like a very uh, high likelihood they take someone on day two. So we'll definitely get into some yes. of those options and see who that guy might be. All right. Ty J. Spears. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, 
tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Third prospect, Peter Skaransky, the guard tackle from Northwestern, six foot four, three thirteen, thirty-two and a quarter inch arms. Played left tackle in college. It sounds like he would probably project uh, to guard or right tackle in the NFL. Very good athlete. Gave up one sack in four hundred and seventy-four pass blocking snaps last year. Per. PFF. I want to get your thoughts. My initial reaction, I'm not going to tell you I was grinding Peter Skaronsky film. That hasn't happened and that's not going to happen. No, come on. (laughs) Northwestern (laughs) Iowa film, baby. Let's go. I would say that like I would be a little eh about taking a player with this profile at number 10, a guard who could potentially play right tackle just when I'm looking at positional value. He seems like a very good prospect, a very clean prospect, but that to me, I would have my kind of, I would be aiming higher with this pick, but maybe you disagree. What do you think of Skaronsky as a possibility of 10? I see what you're saying by aim higher because yeah, he's probably a guard. I think it could be an incredible guard. I, okay. I know Zerline has him comp to Zach Martin, which like, whoa, uh, <laughs> ah, like that's Zach <laughs> Martin. Uh, but that's kind of the way people talk about him is the only thing that you can point to at a, with his film at tackle is the lack of length. And then if you put him in a guard and you extrapolate like how he's so dynamic in the running game. He's got a great understanding of angles. He's such a, such a, such a, such a good run blocker. You put him in a guard and you go, Wait a minute, there's no problems anymore. That's that's the best guard I've ever seen. Like he just because he has now he has good size for a guard, right? He's six four, he's got good mass, he's got great movement skills. And and having the experience at tackle will help him pass protecting a guard, it'll help him identify stuff. Like it's just it, there's a chance he's a really, really, really good guard. I love Skaronsky as a prospect. For the Eagles, when you start to think, all right, if they're taking an offensive lineman, they're taking it for two years down the road. What yeah. position are they going to need to play that guy? It's either center or right guard, or it should be center or right tackle, which is not Skaronsky, right? That's where now it becomes like, oh, okay, like you're drafting him to have him develop behind Lane, and then you won't even know until a couple of years from now if he really can hang with his arm length. Which I think he could. I really do think he could. But I just I don't, I don't know if that is the way that they're going to go at ten. I don't think it's the best use of resources. So if they draft Skaronsky at ten, 
they got an extremely talented player, a bona fide top 10 talent in this class, a guy who is, who is as talented, as good as the tackles who have previously gone top 10. It's as good as Andrew Thomas, Charles Cross, Ikem McQuan. He's as good as all these players, right? So good work. Check that box. Once you start getting to like the 202, 303 level of it and getting microscopic to it, it's kind of like, all right, I don't exactly see the plan. Um, I would trust Jeff Stoutland with my life. I would trust him with my children. Like, I just started, all right, the game of great offensive linemen, cool, we're good. So I, I wouldn't be upset about it at all. I would, it would furrow my brow, but at the same time, very good player. Yes, yeah, Stoutland, I think, is another reason why I would not love this pick. Not, not that you don't spend any resources, but it's like, does he really need it? The number 10 pick at guard for, you know, that to be a solid position. We've seen what he's done, uh, being able to do more with less. I mean, two years ago, both their guards were injured the entire season and they had a top five offensive line. So I'm not saying you don't want to give him the most talented players. You do want to give him the most talented players, but at the same time, that's in, you know, in lieu of using that resource elsewhere on the roster. See, we, we always say that, but then, like, Lane was a top five pick, Landon Dickerson second round, Cam yeah. Jurgen second round, like, re, like you know, like, uh, uh, Isaac Samalo third round. Like, they've spent yeah. decently early picks on interior players. And then, obviously, yeah. like I said, like, Lane was, was a top guy. That was Talon's first year, though. So it's not like he had, like, a ton of pull yet. So I don't know. Like, I, like, the thing is, like, yes, Stoutland should make you feel more comfortable about going a little bit cheaper on the line and have him develop a guy, but more powerful in the Eagles organization is Harry Roseman's belief in building through the lines. So like it, like, you know, he's just still going to just draft off as a lineman because that's yeah. what you do. And then and Stalin and will still that. want him to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's exactly. Be like, no, no, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. No, he's yeah. Exactly. But, I, if, if Stout knocks in your door right now with everything he's done and is like, I need Pete Skaronsky. <laughs> would you be like, no, like, <laughs> I mean, well, the other thing is it relates to last year's draft, right? I mean, as of now, Nick Sirianni, you know, said, I, I think mentioned at the owners' meetings that, yeah, Cam Jurgens uh, is in line to at least get that first shot at right guard. So if you take Skaronsky, now Jurgens isn't playing unless you have an injury uh, for the first two years of his rookie contract. So it just feels to me like if they get to 10 and Skaronsky is the best player on their board, I would kind of expect them to maybe move down a little bit. Um, and if they can't, then kind of, you know, have, quote unquote, settle uh, for him as a sort of high floor, safe, very good player, even if it's not a premium position. But I, I don't think that one's going to align either. All right, next up here, Christian Gonzalez, cornerback from Oregon, six foot one. 197 pounds, ran 4.38, great athlete, excellent tackler, high upside. Uh, what did you think of Gonzalez's film? Are you are you yeah. 100% on board? Did you did you like what you saw there? There's a, a uh, there's like a a tenant in like scouting where it's like you can tell if a guy can hang and you know whatever first 15 plays you watch him you just get it. <laughs> And that's kind of that doesn't have a lot of credence to it, but there's there's times in which it does. And if I wanted to convince somebody of that, I'd put on Christian Gonzalez film, and I'd be like, "You see the guy moving like that? You see how all the other dudes aren't moving that way? He's gonna go to the NFL. These guys aren't. Like it's just, you just you just watch him. You you watch in a football. You generally know how six foot two guys are supposed to move, and then when he like goes to mirror a break. Like he goes like shadow a receiver and like change direction. You're just like, what the what? It's it, it, it's perplexing. It's eye popping. He's he's an unbelievable athlete. Pops played played ball professionally in Columbia. Uh, played basketball professionally in Columbia. Both his sisters were all Americans in track. Right. I mean, like this is just like this guy bleeds athleticism. Now he has he doesn't yet 
really, really know how to play the position. He 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 gets it. He's 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 very solid. He's very polished. He's, he's, he's so, he knows routes. He understands distributions. Like he's good. He's not great at finding the ball. He's not super aware. And so he he can do a lot of like. All right, I'm covering this receiver. Okay, I know where this route's going. Okay, I'm right on top of him, and now I shut my mind off. And it's like, no, sometimes quarterbacks just still throw it, man. You gotta like, <laughs> you know, you're gonna get challenged a little bit. Um, I'm, so I'm a little bit lower on Gonzalez relative to consensus. I still have him as quite quite highly ranked. Not a great class, and he's a very very talented player. He's a top half of the first round guy for sure. I expect him to go in the top ten picks, but I am a little bit lower on him than consensus because he doesn't have he he has good ball production stat line wise but if you watch him i i don't feel great about his ability to play the catch point and identify the football i he remi- it reminds me of how carlton davis was coming out of auburn which is not a straight comp because carlton davis was like bigger and a total bully and 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 gonzalez is a little bit more smooth can play a little bit more off coverage but like people talk about gonzalez like he's pat sertan like i've heard that around him and i just can't get there because sertan was a genius dude like sertan just just knew everything he knew where all 21 other players were he had yeah. eyes at the back of his head side of his head ears back like like he was insane that's that's not Gonzalez. Me, I don't have him in, in, in that rarefied air. Uh, with that said, there are three corners I'd be happy with at ten, with like no trade up, sight unseen, and I wouldn't even mind the Eagles drafting this guy over like the other two dudes. And Gonzalez is one of those guys. It's Gonzalez, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois, and then Keely Ringo out of Georgia. Who I'm the only person who likes Keely Ringo like this, but whatever. Just you know freshman starting cornerback for the best defense in the country. No further questions. But anyway, those three guys are to me like all, I'd be very happy with it. 10 Gonzalez is not my favorite of the bunch, but be a very solid pick. Yeah. I think Gonzalez, if I had to make a short list of guys who, what the Eagles are looking for and who could be there at 10, I think he's mm-hmm. on that short list. I mean, I, I think he would be a fine pick. I think yeah. all your, I think your evaluation is completely fair by the way. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, but I think if you're looking at the upside mm-hmm. and you have to trust your coaches to get the most out of a player, I mean, he's got big time upside with the athletic traits he's play. I mean, it's not like you're getting this totally, you know, this raw corner he's played, he's been productive. He has upside. There are areas he can Three improve starter. and that's, yeah. And that's what your uh, coaching is for. So, I mean, just look, at they've got two corners over 30 uh you know even with what they did in the offseason with Bradbury and Slay and so that's an area of need where you want to get younger and even just looking at this upcoming year I mean the odds of those guys being able to start every game and not suffer injuries and having the same injury luck you had last year is is unlikely and so uh, I think he is a pick that would make uh, make a lot of sense for the Eagles at 10 let's get to the other guy you mentioned is it Devin or Devon Witherspoon you know? I'm 98% sure it's Devin. I'll double check for you. Devin. We'll, we'll have to wait for Dane Brugler's draft guide with the uh, great pronunciations in there. Devin Witherspoon, cornerback from Illinois, five foot 11 and a half, 181 pounds, 31 and a quarter inch arms. If you don't know what that, you know, that that's a, he's a little bit uh, undersized there. Did not run, did not do any athletic testing. However, uh, great coming off a great season at Illinois. Uh, Top five in every metric you can look at. Forced incompletions, yards per coverage snap, quarterbacks completed 35% of their attempts against him for 206 yards. He did not allow a touchdown last year and had three interceptions and 18 forced incompletions. A big hitter, aggressive. His highlights are very fun where he just triggers and gets after it, delivering like Sheldon Brown-like hits on these unsuspecting uh, running backs in the flat or wide receivers on screens. Uh, you are, I believe, in love with, with is Witherspoon your, your top CB1 in this class? Yeah. I made a bad decision, which okay, was what was that? 
I very early in the draft process, I said Keely Ringo is my corner one, comfortably my corner one. I don't understand how he's not everybody's corner one. After which I watched Devon Witherspoon, and I was like, ah, that's on me. I did not know about I did not know about the young man from Illinois. Um, this guy's a son of a gun, man. I mean, <laughs> this guy's an absolute son of a gun. Feisty, he is competitive. He yeah. hates receivers. He despises quarterbacks. He is offended by every pass attempt that goes his way. He he hates running rushing attempts that come his way. He thinks running backs are soft. He this is the most fun I've had watching a corner since Jair Alexander, where just mm. Jair at Louisville was just like, listen, I'm the only good player on this defense. I don't care. I hate you. F you. I'm the best. Just like that. That totally distorted cornerback mentality of just like yeah. every single play is my opportunity to be the most important person in the world. It just, it, it is, it's rampant on Witherspoon's film. He is extremely talented in man coverage, at, uh, getting in phase, getting to the cylinder, contesting through the catch point. He is like, he's like, he is irritating. He is frustrating. He, every catch on Witherspoon is a challenge. He has some jumped him. He has some guests to him. He has some, you know, I, I, I can envision myself jumping the slant, taking to the house and, oh no, it's not a slant. Whoops. Do him that you kind of have to, you have to live with both edges of that sword. What's crazy is that he previous to being in Illinois in this defense, which I cannot recall the name of their DC, uh, winters, Walters. He's now the head coach of Purdue. Um, he was playing for lovey. He's playing for lovey Smith, right? So they're playing Tampa too. And so you just didn't, he didn't get to unlock like this. Like they, they very clearly, like he, he has to be in the position where he's playing man coverage. Well, he's not the biggest guy. And so if you have a player who just thrives in man coverage and is a little bit size deficient, he really does have to be Jair Alexander. He has to be Denzel Ward, which is a common comp for him in order for him to work. I think he is. And, and people use the Ward comp. I think he's more Jair. Jair was great in zones. And we go back and watch 2021 Witherspoon. He really was very, very solid asking to play zone coverage. You just didn't get to see like the fullness of his film. Uh, I think I think he's a he's a stud corner prospect. I like him about as much as I liked Sertan coming out back in the day. I like him mm. about as much as I like Sauce coming out back. Like he's he's wow. in that tier for me. Uh, okay. With that said, those guys were six one. He's five eleven. And so you're you're swinging on an outlier here, and I, and I wouldn't take him over those guys because I would know. Okay, we're dealing with a sub six foot corner, and and you can't bet on outliers that much. For the Eagles, interesting. Uh, they have been comfortable bringing in undersized dudes in the secondary, outside corner, not as much. But like Avante Maddox is one of the smallest dudes, right? Uh. Who's that little safety they had? That Josiah Scott was super small. There was another guy that had like some of the shortest arms. Like they, <laughs> they, they, safety they yeah. I, I can go find the names. I'll go, I'll, I'll go find. Yeah, but they had they they feel comfortable bringing in guys who aren't the biggest in the secondary. So I don't think Witherspoon will be ruled out for them. And and he is a extremely impressive fan favorite dude. Philly type, absolutely. He would make sense for the Eagles. He, if if you're like a fan who's not going to watch any of these prospects and the Eagles take him on draft night and his highlights start circulating, you'll probably order a jersey like that that night, uh, even yeah. if you have to do cu- custom made. So I was, I'm glad you brought up the two concerns I had. Grayland was, Arnold, Grayland Arnold, 29 Grayland. inch arms. Okay. That's what I was thinking of for go. the Eagles. I was going to ask you, like going into this season, I I don't believe Witherspoon was on like anyone's radar as even close to this type of guy. But I think you kind of answered that that you know he was not, um, you know he, he was yeah. playing in the Illinois. Scheme. Yeah, the Illinois team overall was just like 
Like, like they've got several. They have him. They have the Brown brothers who are seniors. Cindy Brown who plays safety. Chase Brown who plays running back. Like, they had, like, guys who, like, the scouting community was like, okay, we got to watch these dudes. But then Illinois just had a really, really good season. Things really coalesced. And you saw their coaching staff get promoted and get jobs elsewhere as a result of this, right? Like, they were really, really, really well coached over the last couple of years. And that's how you had some of these emergent players who had still been around for a little bit. Like, Witherspoon's a senior. And you just kind of, you know, yeah. you didn't think he was going to come out this way until, until you saw this this year. And then the size thing is a concern. I mean, I saw uh, Ben Fennell tweeted this, that since 2000, just one corner has been selected in the top 15 who was under 185 pounds. Uh, Witherspoon is 181. That corner was the guy you just made one of the comps to, uh, Denzel Ward. So uh, yeah. it is, I think Danny Kelly has said this is like a draft of outliers, right? You know, with with, uh, with kind of Bryce Young and Witherspoon and some yep. of these guys. So, it, yeah, you have to kind of decide uh, – what can they compensate for? How much do you put into uh, past precedent, past, past history, when you can't find an exact type of guy who looked like you know the player you're about to draft? Or if you can, it's just, hey, there's one or two of them, but not a lot of them. But uh, yeah, he's, he, he's an exciting player, I think. Uh, at 10, or even if you did kind of a minor trade down, something like that, pick up a pick and maybe you're picking more. I feel like Witherspoon's someone who, if you got him at like 18, you'd be like, oh yeah. Like you'd be so excited. Uh, I feel, I, I, you I'm feel that way at 10. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I um, Betting markets have it very set that Christian Gonzalez is the first corner off the board. When you look at mockers who tend to be dialed in with the league, you see about a 50-50 split between Gonzalez and Witherspoon. I don't think it is in any way, shape, or form guaranteed. Like, all right, Gonzalez off the war, but Witherspoon's still there. I'm not, I, I you know, it's a flavor thing, right? You got to like Witherspoon, you got to be okay with the size. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't see it as a clear Gonzalez is corner one, and then we have the conversation. And so, to me, like, Witherspoon at 10 and Gonzalez at 10, both those are wins. The next guy, he was not among your uh, top cornerbacks, so I'm going by different boards than uh, your personal opinion. Joey Porter Jr., cornerback, Penn State, six foot two and a half, 193 pounds, 34 inch arms, has everything you would want there from a measurable standpoint. Big, long, athletic, fast, ran 446. Forced incompletions on 40% of his targets last year. Best of any Power Five cornerback, according to Pro Ridiculous. Football Focus. Uh, allowed just 143 yards all season on 30 targets. That's 275 snaps. When he played press, Ben, allowed 68 yards on 106 snaps. So uh, Porter had a great combine. Little Grabby is the book on Porter, right? I actually remember somebody asked us this during the in-season. Well, he had 10 penalties in 2021. He only had three last year, but maybe he didn't get called for all of them. So you don't have Porter in the same class as these other guys. Do you still like him, and uh, why or why not? Yeah, to me, he's a tier below. Uh, I I like him quite a bit. It's him and Deontay Banks, the corner out of Maryland, who... Fun little player, Deontay Banks. I'm a big Deontay Banks guy. Porter's Porter's awesome. It's just you, you are consigning yourself to a, a a reality right you are you draft joey porter jr you say we are playing press man coverage and occasionally we will play cover three right like you remember back when seattle cover three happened like richard sherman byron maxwell uh the canadian whatever his name was like all these guys started playing and then every corner who came out that was like a little bit long and a little bit tall everyone was like it's yeah. richard sherman it's the cop he's byron maxwell yeah. and like all of those were wrong this is the guy where, like, actually, like, this is Byron Maxwell. Like, this is Richard Sherman. You're going to put him on the line of scrimmage. You can play zone. You can play man. But he has to be on the line. He has to impact the route within the first five yards. He's going to bring penalties to you, but he's also going to be very physical. He's going to discourage targets. For the Eagles, 
the scheme fits not clean, right? Like they, when you run this, this Sean Desai stuff, you want one of your corners to be down on the line. You want one of them to be able to play off. And if you have Joey Porter Jr., you just don't feel good about him in year one playing off coverage with the eyes in the backfield with his hips towards the quarterback. He's done have a lot of experience doing that. And when he does that, it's not pretty, right? He just kind of, he has dead feet and he waits for routes to come to him. And then he tries to grab guys and, and run with them with, with a fistful of jersey. So he's, he's a, he's a scheme limited player, right? Like, when he makes it, where are the Vikings picking? 18? When he makes it to Brian Flores, gone. <laughs> Pick. Easy. <laughs> Throw the card in. But up until then, like it's you know, it, it's it's figuring out for the Eagles just how much you want to play man coverage and if Porter Jr. is a fit for that. I'm not convinced that it is. And so because of the limitations, he's just a tier below for me. Yeah, there we still, again, we still don't know exactly how Sean Desai wants to play, but Sirianni did make comments that echo kind of what you said that we're not making like major changes. There are going to be similarities to the style of defense we play. We won't know until we see how they actually play in the regular season, what those changes are, what it looks like. But uh, that, that's interesting that he might not be a scheme fit for what the Eagles want to do. All right, next up, Paris Johnson Jr. Offensive tackle, Ohio state, a massive human being six foot six and three eighths, 36 and one eighth inch arms, which is just like, well, I don't know what percent has got to be like 99 percentile for yes. even NFL players. I mean, that is those are long, long arms started at right guard as a sophomore, played left tackle last season, allowed two sacks in two seasons. According to PFF, that's over 900 pass blocking snaps, uh, beast in the run game, athletic. I guess the fit would be he could either come in as a swing tackle or compete at guard. Uh, when I was doing this exercise, I went in thinking offensive line is way too under the radar. People aren't mocking enough offensive linemen to the Eagles. This is where they invest, especially someone like Johnson who can play left tackle. Like, yeah, I could see it. And then I thought about it more. And like both your tackles are, you expect them to be your tackles for the next two seasons. And so this is one of those where it's like, how much is that insurance worth to you to have a swing tackle you can right. rely on like do you, you're with the 10th overall pick you don't want that guy to be maximizing his potential only if one of your better players gets injured like that's sort of a weird place to be i'm not saying it can't happen but that's a weird place to be and so i was really going back and forth on this like i could see them drafting him and on draft night they're saying listen we invest in the offensive line we don't want to be caught you know, with our pants down there he can play you know he can compete at right guard he can play left tackle he can play right tackle this is a great football player who potentially plays a premium position that's why we made the pick at the same time in my head, I'm kind of like, it's a little messy. I'm not getting completely on board with that philosophy. So I wonder where you are with just the yeah. idea of drafting someone like Johnson and then Johnson as the player. I just think, right, the Eagles very recently took a, a college tackle in the fifth round in Halapulivati Vaitai. They got good enough reps from him at tackle that they were like able to kind of, you know, stick him out there when they needed to, and it was fine. And they would play him at guard. It was kind of good. And then he went and got a huge contract from the Lions and brought a comp pick back for them. They drafted Jack Driscoll in the fourth round. And when he's had to play tackle, they had to like shove him out at left tackle randomly in the Cardinals game. He'd never played before. He was totally fine. He's played on the right side for them, and he's stepped into guard for them, and he's been solid. He's good depth. And they took a first-round tackle on Andre Dillard and totally whiffed. They have, they have no reason to be doing this. Just go go get a guy who's got 40 career starts at tackle in round four, round five. Scout's going to fix his knees and his left hip and his right elbow. And then he's going to be, like, if, if you lose Lane Johnson for four games, it's going to be okay. 
You know, so the, you you have that ability. Like to me, like in terms of the stuff that Stout let, Stout lets you do, it's more of that, right? It's more of the okay, let's get a guy in here with experience, and then we have such a high floor if we get one or two injuries, right? We can just kind of keep our head above water here. Uh, so I agree. Like when we're talking these early offensive linemen, it's got to be a guy who has an earlier path to starting than Lane Johnson just like retiring, right? And that's where like Skronsky with the guard thing, it's kind of like oh, like maybe he. You know, he fights Jurgens for that guard spot. But with, with with Johnson, he's a clear bona fide tackle. He does need some polish. Okay, so experience. you think like, I mean, he, he did play right guard as a sophomore, but you're sort of yeah. saying. Yeah, but he's 6'6 okay. he's six, six with 36. I know, arms. he's a monster. It, yeah. You got you, you to be playing at that time. It's not, it's not going <laughs> to help you at guard. You're going to lose yeah. to, to shorter squad your defensive line. You're going to get underneath and inside of you. You need that length to be a tackle. That's where it makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's he's... He does, I think, need a little bit of polish, uh, Paris Johnson. He's got great length, got great athleticism. He honestly should carry a little bit more mass and survive against, I think, power rushers better than he does. Uh, you watch Iowa film Lucas Van Ness, and whenever Van Ness figures out what the things at the end of his wrists are, he's able to actually put power on on, on Paris Johnson to get through him. Uh, so you want to add a little bit more weight to him, and when you do, he becomes Cedric Obwehi, you know what I'm saying? He becomes Russell Okung. He just becomes like a guy that's so big that even if like he's not perfect technique wise, it's just so hard to get around him. So he's a very safe prospect. He's a likable prospect. He's not. I'm probably a little bit lower on him than consensus. He doesn't square for me with the Eagles too much. Uh, with, with with what his arc is, like I guess he needs development, and so like yeah. there's that aspect of it. But unless you really think Lane's retiring anytime soon, which they just gave him a massive restructure, yeah, I don't see how it makes sense. I think that's where I land also. Yeah, I think as as I was doing it, I was like, I don't, you know, I, I think given the other needs on the roster, unless you have someone who you just feel like is so much better than your other options, that I don't think that's the best use of the number uh, uh, of the 10th overall pick. And then, listen, this the whole thing fits with the same, that I think, with the guy I'm about to mention next, Broderick Jones, the, the tackle slash guard from Georgia, six foot five and three A's, 311 pounds, 34 and a quarter inch arms, elite speed, Good explosion. One year as a full-time starter at left tackle. Uh, some fun uh, clips of him. Devastating run blocker on the move. He's an athlete. Uh, yeah. Did not give up a sack on 470 pass block snaps last year. So, I mean, him Him, you could probably see more as a start out at guard and give you flexibility at tackle type guy. But do you, do you have the same opinion uh, on him or would you be more on board with someone like him around 10? I have them ranked very similarly. I, okay. I I I think it's the same thing where it's a little bit of a square fit. He absolutely can play guard better and more realistically, I think, than Johnson can just because of body type. He'd be a Brandon Brooks guard. I mean, he's 6'5", 315, which, with uh, an 83-inch wingspan. He's a big fella. Um, I, there hasn't been any smoke about him being a guard in the draft process, and it sounds like 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 Jordan Reed for ESPN today had him ninth overall to the Bears and said that, you know, more people in the league are talking about Broderick Jones as the first tackle off the board than folks realize. So if the Eagles mm. take him at 10 to be a guard when like the league is yeah. looking at him as a, as a top nine picket tackle, you know, I, I think I'll be shocked. Um, fun player though. Good watch. You might be in a nice spot. I mean, if Paris Johnson and or Broderick Jones are there at 10 yes. to trade down, I mean, that's a premium position. Other teams will view them as left tackle. So that would not be the worst thing in the world. You pick up yeah. some extra draft you, capital. There's a lot of drafts where, like, I look through it for the Eagles and it goes like quarterback, quarterback, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, whatever, quarterback, quarterback. And then, like, Lions at six, Raiders at seven, Falcons at eight. They're all potential cornerback teams. 
And if, if Witherspoon and Gonzalez both go in that range, there's a lot of worlds where the Eagles just calling everybody behind them, being like, would you like a franchise left tackle? Would you like a franchise left tackle? Who would yeah. like a franchise left tackle? And it makes a ton of sense for them, right? Um, accumulating round two and round three picks for the Eagles is really nice because it gives you more dart throws. And, and when you hit on more of those dart throws, now you have a starting corner that's super cheap and you have a starting linebacker who's super cheap and all of a sudden you sign that Jalen Hurts contract, but you're ready for it because you have rookie contract starters, right? So getting ahead of that curve is actually really, really nice. And so the Eagles are a huge trade down candidate at 10, especially if the corners go early at the top of the class. Yeah, I mean, just a big picture thought, like there's been, they were at the owners' meetings and so a lot of talk about sustaining success. Their ability to sustain success will come down to, in my opinion, basically the 2022 through 2024 drafts. I mean, they 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 yep. have a lot of old freaking players on this team. When you sit back and look at what they did this offseason, uh, a lot of guys over 30, yet you still have great pieces on offense who are in their mid to late 20s or either in their prime or ascending players. So can Jordan Davis come in? Can Nicobe Dean come in? Can Cam Jurgens come in? Can whoever you draft at number 10 come in and play? Like a lot of though, a lot of your questions are going to be answered by the way those guys play um, in 2023 and 2024. All right, last three for you. Lucas Van Ness, edge defender, Iowa, six foot four, three and three fours, 272, elite speed, great agility. Uh, testing wise, big time athlete, very impressive. Uh, three cone drill. I don't know if you can explain to me, Ben. He did not start a game at Iowa. Do we have any? All I read was he did not start a game at Iowa, but I did not get an answer anywhere for why he did not start a game at Iowa. Do we know why? Because Iowa puts out their seniors on the starting line and then just rotates a bunch of guys. It's just how college, like, but he only played things. 50, he only played more than 50 yeah. snaps once, also, yeah, in his college yeah. career. Right. Because oh, they, they listen, yeah, they rotate a ton and, and, I'll also tell you why. It's because Van Ness doesn't know what he's doing. And so okay. first and 10, we give up a run for three yards. Second and seven, we give up a run for three yards. Van Ness doesn't come in. They pick up the third down. First and 10, run. For second and seven, run. Van Ness doesn't come in. Then all of a sudden on second and eight, we get a TFL and it's third and nine. Guess who comes trotting out onto the field? Lucas Van Ness. Time to rush the passer, baby. He's point and shoot. They have they have a a corn fed superhero. They got like <laughs> in the blue and red, man. They got Superman in terms of an athlete. And and I made the the comment earlier with with Paris Johnson. He does not know how to use his hands. He does not line up. He's constantly in a bad in, in in bad alignment. Like they use him in this like tilt technique when they put him in the interior, and then he'll like be in a tilt alignment on the outside. It's like no dude, you have to beat him. His outside shoulder, like square yourself. I don't know why he's doing that. He falls steps out. He doesn't have rush plans. He's trying to like, throw spin moves when it doesn't make sense. He's got, he just has no experience. He's rawer than sushi. The fact that he is talked about as a top ten pick is gaslighting. I cannot believe that we've gotten here with this player. With that said, at thirty one, oh at thirty one, makes yeah. a ton of sense. I, I, I super get it. High, elite athlete, high value position, ton of, of developmental upsides. He hasn't played that much. So it's not like we're going to talk about Miles Murphy in a second. We've been talking about Miles Murphy's developmental upside for four years now. He's been a starter at Clemson. Like, I don't know. <laughs> we might just be making stuff up at this point. With Van Ness, it's legitimate, right? He hasn't had that opportunity. And so coaching him up really can, I think, benefit him, give him some reps. People learn on their feet and you're good. At 10? That's, I mean, like, talk about luxury. Talk about the bureaucracy. That's just the Eagles turning to the entire NFC and being like, you guys aren't good. We don't care. We can just draft theories, and we're going to be fine. Uh, I think it's way, way, way too rich for 10. Uh, I, I, 
I watched a lot of Lucas Van Ness film this year because I was like, there's got to be something here that I'm not understanding. But he is a year away from being a year away. He is nowhere close to ready. Nine sacks, 46 pressures last season. Yeah, he is a, he's big and a, big and athletic. Looks the part. I mean, if you look yeah. at him, you can you can totally uh, see it. So you like you you. The other thing, say, though, okay, people love to bring up his round. pass rush efficiency because he does have good numbers for not playing that much. Go watch the pressures. I he either is winning by being you know Hercules, and, yeah, yeah, against the Nemean Lion, or the very very good Iowa defense is giving him a year to get the job done. Right, like it's. He's playing bad Big Ten West quarterbacks who don't know how to manage a pocket, and their secondary is nuts. Like, I, I don't know how how much I really trust. The amount of people who are like, watch the Ohio State game, you'll get it. And then I watched it, and I was like, okay, if I only watch these six plays, sure. But the rest of them, like, I, just, I, I can't get square with Lucas Van Ness. There was a mock the other day that had the Eagles take Lucas Van Ness, Edge, at 10. And Daniel then the Jeremiah State, at NFL.com yeah. had and that. And then the Kansas State kid, Felix uh, Anaduke Uzoma at 31, also an edge rusher, also theory. I, well, I had to take a walk. I was high. <laughs> like, we're taking two of them? Neither one can play? Like, no, what are we doing? we're not taking two of them. Yeah, that, that is not uh, happening. Okay, I like that. That was a nice, nice strong take on Van Ness. I, mean, I, was just, yeah. I was just reading. Why is, yeah, did not start a game, but no further explanation. So you Wish him all the best. That. Wish him all the best. On the Falcons. Well, I mean, you said. I mean, we might be talking about next week. If, they, if he's there late in the first round, maybe. Uh, next one, Miles Murphy. Edge Clemson, you just referenced him, six foot four and five eighths, 268, 20 sacks in three years. Uh, I'll be honest, I felt going through this exercise that he was like the most boring uh, prospect I had, uh, I had written down in terms of options for the Eagles at 10. Do you like him at all later? Do you not like him at all? What's your take on Miles yeah. Murphy? We just got a little no. taste of it. When you, when you read right, the Miles Murphy scouting reports, you feel like you could just take the name Murphy out and put the la- the name Cleland Furl in, who's the fourth round pick yes, of the Raiders. that's how I felt. Edge rusher. Out Is of that Clemson accurate like, or not? Yeah. No, he, he's got he's got more juice than okay. Furl. Furl, right. was, Furl was a hard worker, man. Anytime you started talking about Furl when he came out in 2019, Daniel Jones class, it was like, man, just just blue chip attitude. You're like, okay, <laughs> can he play? Like, what are we doing? End up being a top five pick. Um, Murphy's just like I said, he's got a ton of experience. He's been in Clemson for forever. Uh, and he does have good athleticism. There's just been a lot of like, oh baby, when Miles Murphy figures it out, like you watched. It's like, okay, he's had a lot of opportunities to figure it out. There are still flashes, there's still bursts, there's still like first steps off the ball, and he's got good length. And he's he's a he, the nice thing is like he's a traditional base end, right? Like this is a the edge position is generally getting lighter and lighter and lighter over the years. And this is also a pretty light edge class, and Miles Murphy's 268 right he's got 34 inch arms like he's got like actual defensive end size so like i brought up the falcons for van ness think about like their new defense coordinator is ryan nielsen he came from the Saints. think about the saints defensive ends cameron jordan marcus davenport tano passanio like they peyton turner these guys are enormous right these these teams that are like, true four down teams need big ends right and, and sean desai like you said like, we don't know sean desai might look at josh sweat who's like long but not super thick Brandon Graham, who's not big, he's just dense, right? But he's not like a long guy. Hassan Reddick's obviously very skinny and just go, like, I need a big end. Like, I need like a true base defensive end. That's what the Eagles wanted with Derek Barnett, right? When they brought Barnett, it was like, you know, he's explosive because of the size. Honestly, Barnett is a pretty good comp for Miles Murphy, where like everybody's like, wow, like what an athlete. And you watch, you're like, okay, like, yeah, like on the first step, if I pause the rep after 0.4 seconds, he looks like a great athlete, but he doesn't, he doesn't finish the work. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't have to sequence it all together. Pass rush is really one of those things to me where like the proof of the pudding's in the eating. 
the guys who are good get home. And 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 don't look at stacks and look at pressure numbers. Watch them play. And you can figure out the guys who know how to get there and the guys who don't. Murphy just isn't isn't fully together there. I think Murphy's gonna have a long career in the NFL. It's gonna be a one year, four million dollar deal for Miles Murphy, and then and all the fans of the team tweet out like, "All oh, good, start rotation will end. Good on rushing down. It's gonna be around for forever." And I love that for him. At ten, nothing Aim higher. Okay. Yeah, I last last one. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say this edge class. No, <laughs> this edge, this edge class, and this off ball linebacker class are very rough. Well, I am intrigued by this last guy, and he is an edge prospect. Mm-hmm, Nolan mm-hmm. Smith, mm-hmm. edge from Georgia. You were just talking about the size difference. Holy cow. Six foot two and one ace, 238 pounds, but a freak athlete. Ran 4'39, elite vertical and broad jumps. 12 sacks in the last three seasons, not a huge number. Had seven in 2021, and then last year suffered a season-ending torn pec injury, so only played 188 snaps. If you watch the clips circulating from him at the Combine, uh, high energy, high football character. Seems like he would be a a coach's dream, Uh, somebody you would love to have in the locker room as kind of one of your uh, leaders. Jeremiah, Daniel Jeremiah, comped Hassan Reddick. Ben Fennell comped mm-hmm. uh, Cam Wake. And so I'm going back and forth here. I really like the idea of Nolan Smith. And then I go to get there at 10. I'm overlooking size. I'm overlooking a relative lack of production. And I'm overlooking a guy who suffered a season-ending injury last year. So I ended up on the fence. Where are you with Nolan Smith? So, okay. You're overlooking size. Yeah. You're overlooking lack of production. You're yeah. overlooking season-ending injury. You're also overlooking. He's just a dog. <laughs> he's just yeah. the man. Yeah, uh, he is the man. In terms of undersized guys, right? Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, linebacker out of Notre Dame, you know, whatever. And he came out like all these dudes. N'Kobe Dean, right? He came out of George. Like you, you watch these guys defend the run, and you kind of like put your hands over your eyes, you're, like peeking through, and then you find like two or three cool clips. You're like, see, he's fine. He can defend the run. We're good. Nolan Smith, it's real, man. No, nobody told Nolan Smith that sub-240 pounders are not supposed to be good run defenders on the edge. He really, really he plays great leverage, great power. He can he defend the run, which is really quite something, and it's impressive to see. It makes him a very high-floor prospect because now you can keep him on the field on early downs, and then when a lot of those early downs are pass rushes, he now has more opportunities to do what he does really well, which is uh, explode up field, right? Generate a, a disruption, get behind the quarterback, push him up to the top of the pocket. Not great at finishing, and like I said, like prove the puddings in the eating. Like he absolutely like again has not finished his rush plans yet. He doesn't get really like when we talk about outside rushes, we talk about burst bend, uh, dip like burst bend, dip, rip, flat, and finish, right? And, and like you got to come off the ball, you got to get underneath that offensive tackle. We have to bend around the corner, flatten to the quarterback, and finish. He's got like burst, dip, bend. And then I like flat and finish. Like, ah, just not there yet. And he's close. He, he really is. And, and if you're taking him on the theory that he's going to get there, I don't mind it too much. But he's not going to be a high sack guy early. I really like the Hassan Reddick comp for him because Reddick was just like, obviously he was playing linebacker. This was a different time. But even coming out of Temple, it was like, all right, I see the juice. But like, uh, is he really going to be able to do this in the NFL? And then all of a sudden, late for Arizona there, 10 sacks. Then Panthers, 10 sacks. Eagles, 16 sacks. Like, yeah, the, the the light bulbs come on. He's kind of finished that that full that full form. I'd like him at ten. I'd like the pick. I like giving him the time to figure it out. I like giving you an option if Brandon Graham doesn't go. I like that 
Graham's always been such a good run defender from a 3-4 outside linebacker sort of a body type, and Nolan Smith's the same way, different body types, but just so much better of a run defender than you expect for, for their size. Uh, I, I would enjoy the pick at 10. This edge class to me is Will Anderson, Nolan Smith. Nah, that's that's it. it. So I don't mind. I don't mind Nolan Smith right. at 10. You're getting one of the two good ones. All right, we just went through 11 prospects. That was awesome. Benjamin is a wealth of information on all these prospects. So here's where I am at, and I want to hear where you're at. If you have to pick the three most likely options for the Eagles at number 10. So you have to weigh it all in, what you know of them, who you like, who's most likely to be available. Here are my three. I'll go first. I think Nolan Smith is one of the three, and then I'm going with the two corners, Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. Those would be as of March 29th at 2.38 p.m. Eastern time. Those are my three most likely options for the Eagles if they stay at 10. Who are your three right now? I am a huge Devon Witherspoon fan, and I would love him at 10. I'm a pretty big Nolan Smith fan, and I would like him at 10. I'm a big Christian Gonzalez fan. I would like him at 10. I am an enormous fan of the 2023 second-round pick of a team yet undefined and unnamed picking somewhere in the late teens. Okay. Um, this like Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, blue chippers after that, like, you know, that next tier, just like an agnostic of like positional value to me, like, you know, you get some of the quarterbacks in there, you get Bijan Robinson in there, you get Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Keely Ringo, you get a lot of this offensive lineman in there. Uh, I don't have Nolan Smith in that tier. I don't have another defensive tackle in that tier. Like I, Drew Sanders, linebacker out of Arkansas, would be there for me. Eagles aren't taking him, whatever. None of the wide receivers make it for me. None of the tight ends no. make it for me. Like, it's just that, like, you always had that blue chip tier. Like, these are elite players. And then you have another tier of, like, early first-round guys. And there's, like, eight of them. And they all play the same four positions. <laughs> and those aren't really positions that, that the Eagles need too much besides corner. And so Devon Witherspoon and Gonzalez, to me, are what you're hugely rooting for. If you can't get those guys... I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to get back. Let me get picks in, in the 40s. Let me get picks in the 50s. I, I like getting a lot of dart throws in this class in that area. Go get my safeties. Go get my off-ball linebackers. Just try to start peppering in some rookie contracts here and getting ready for post-Jalen Hurts era. If you made me pick right now, 55% chance Eagles trade back, 45% chance they make a pick at 10. They're, mm. they're, to me, they're in such a beautiful trade back spot. Yeah, normally when that normally I feel like we think the team has more of a chance to trade back than they actually do. But as we mentioned, it sets up nicely with there are premium left tackles, you know, that you would consider at number 10, but that's not a need for them. And so that will be a need for other teams. Quarterback, who knows? Maybe one of those guys uh, gets down there to 10. Maybe the Eagles pick up an extra 2024. 20, First round pick, we, we, you know, then you, then Eagles, that's the best thing for Eagles fans. Then you get to root for an, against another team for the entire 2023 season. We all know how fun that is. And one of my sports things is that it's more fun to root against another team than to root for your own team. So you would get to do that. <laughs> Disagree, that's so true, right? I'm fine with you that. Really? Oh, God, that, that one is universally accepted. What, what? The, it's more fun to root against another team than root for yeah, your own no, team? No, it doesn't exactly fit here. Like, I would say it's like, like if you can, you know, if the Cowboys need to, like, win a game in week 18 it's not against the eagles to get into the playoffs let's say oh i see what you're saying i see and just just the viewing of experience of oh my god they're nine point favorites and they might lose this game that is you know not every eagles game but that's probably gonna be more exciting i i i I very much am there with that yeah in the the context of the nfl draft (laughs) i don't watch the cowboys pick and go like 
developmental no. tackle from Tulsa. Yeah. Like, yeah <laughs> no, there's too much uncertainty. It's, yeah. There's too much risk of having a bad draft take. All right. That was awesome. Mr. Solak nailed it. Next week we'll do, uh, maybe, you know what? Maybe next, I went through what the first 20. So by next week I can go through like the next 20 and maybe I'll just come up with the same list of guys for their next first round. Man, pick, if you the enjoy the thing. Lucas Van Ness rant, we talk about some of the guys at 30. Okay. It's going to be a good pod. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks to everybody for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Thanks to Ace Producer Cliff Augustine. Uh, And we will be back soon on the Ringers Philly Special.